Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Were it not for the two facts, that they are afraid of a mounted man and cannot run quite so fast as a horse, I do not know how the cattle business would be conducted. As soon as a band of them caught sight of any one of us, they curled their tails and away they went, at a long easy lope that a domestic cow would stare at in wonder. This was all very well. In fact, we yelled and shrieked and otherwise uttered cow calls to keep them going, to get the cattle started, as they say. But pretty soon a little band of the many scurrying away before our thin line and began to bear farther and farther to the east. When in their judgment they should have gained an opening, they would turn directly back and make a dash for liberty. Accordingly, the nearest cowboy clapped spurs to his horse and pursued them. It was a pretty race. The cattle ran easily enough, with long springy jumps that carried them over the ground faster than appearances would lead one to believe. The cowpony, his nose stretched out, his ears slanted, his eyes snapping on the joy of the chase, flew fairly belly to earth. The rider sat slightly forward, with the cowboy's loose seat. A whirl of dust, strangely insignificant against the immensity of a desert morning, rose from the flying group. Now they disappeared in a ravine, only to scramble out again the next instant, pace undiminished. The rider merely rose slightly and threw up his elbows to relieve the jar of the rough gully. At first the cattle seemed to hold their own, but soon the horse began to gain. In a short time he had come abreast of the leading animal. The latter stopped short with a snort, dodged back, and set out at right angles to his former course. From a dead run the pony came to a stand in two fierce plunges, doubled like a shot, and was off on the other tack. An unaccustomed rider would have lost his seat. The second dash was short. With a final shake of the head, the steers turned to the proper course in the direction of the ranch. The pony dropped unconcernedly to the shuffling joy of habitual progression. Far away stretched the arc of our cordon. The most distant rider was a speck, and the cattle ahead of him were like maggots endowed with a smooth, swift onward motion. As yet the herd had not taken form. It was still too widely scattered. Its units, in the shape of small bunches, momently grew in numbers. The distant plains were crawling and alive with minute creatures, making toward a common tiny center. Immediately in our front the cattle at first behaved very well. Then far down the long, gentle slope I saw a break for the upper valley. The mannequin that represented Homer at once became even smaller as it departed in pursuit. The cattlemen moved down to cover Homer's territory until he should return and I, in turn, edged farther to the right. Then another break from another bunch. The cattleman rode at top speed ahead it. Before long he disappeared in the distant mesquite. I found myself in sole charge of a front three miles long. The nearest cattle were some distance ahead, and trotting along at a good gait. As they had not yet discovered the chances left open by unforeseen circumstance, I descended and took in on my cinch while yet there was time. 
even as I mounted, an impatient movement on the part of experienced brown jug told me that the cattle had seen their opportunity. I gathered the range and spoke to the horse. He needed no further direction, but set off at a wide angle, nicely calculated to intercept the truants. Brown jug was a powerful beast. The spring of his leap was his whalebone. The yellow earth began to stream past like water. Always the pace increased with the growing thunder of hooves. It seemed that nothing could turn this from the straight line, nothing checked the headlong momentum of our rush. My eyes filled with tears from the wind of our going. Saddle strings streamed behind. Brown jugs mane with my bridle band. Dimly I was conscious of soapweed, sacatone, mesquite as we passed them. They were breast and gone before I could think of them or how they were to be dodged. Two antelope bounded away to the left. Birds rose hastily from the grasses. A sudden chirk, chirk, chirk rose all about me. We were in the very center of a prairie dog town, but before I could formulate in my mind the probabilities of holes and broken legs, the chirk, chirk, chirkin had fallen astern. Round jug had skipped and dodged successfully. We were approaching the cattle. They ran stubbornly and well, evidently unwilling to be turned into the latest possible moment. A great rage at their obstinacy took possession of us both. A broad, shallow wash crossed our way, but we plunged through its rocks and boulders recklessly angered at even the slight delay they necessitated. The hard land on the other side we greeted with joy. Brown Jug extended himself with a snort. Suddenly a jar seemed to shake my very head loose. I found myself staring over the horse's head directly down into a deep and precipitous gully, the edge of which was so cunningly concealed by the grasses as to have remained invisible to my blurred vision. Brown Jug, however, had caught sight of it at the last instant, and had executed one of the wonderful stops possible only to a cow pony. But already the cattle had discovered a passage above, and were scrambling down and across. Brown Jug and I, at more sober pace, slid off the almost perpendicular bank, and out the other side. A moment later we had headed them. They whirled, and without the necessity of any suggestion on my part, Brown Jug turned after them, and so quickly that my stirrup actually brushed the ground. After that we were masters. We chased the cattle far enough to start them well in the proper direction, and then pulled down to a walk in order to get a breath of air. But now we noticed another band, back on the ground, over which we had just come, doubling through in the direction of Mount Graham. A hard run set them to rights. We turned. More had poured out from the hills. Bands were crossing everywhere, ahead and behind. Brown Jug and I went to work. Being an indivisible unit, we could chase only one bunch at a time, and while we were after one, a half-dozen others would be taking advantage of our preoccupation. We could not hold our own. Each run after an escaping bunch had to be on a longer diagonal. Gradually we were forced back, and back, and back, but still we managed to hold the line unbroken. Never shall I forget the dash and clatter of that morning. Neither Brown Jug nor I thought for a moment of sparing horse flesh, nor of picking a route. We made the shortest line and paid little attention to anything that stood in the way. A very fever of resistance possessed us. It was like beating against a headwind, or fighting fire, or combating any of the other great forces of nature. We were quite alone. The cattlemen and Homer had vanished. To our left the men were fully occupied in marshalling the compact brown herds that had gradually massed, for these antagonists of mine were merely outlying remnants. I suppose Brown Jug must have run nearly twenty miles with only one check. Then we chased a cow some distance and into the dry bed of a stream, where she whirled on us savagely. By luck her horn hit only the leather of my saddle skirts, so we left her, for when a cow has sense enough to get on the peck there is no driving her farther. We gained nothing, and they had to give ground, but we succeeded in holding a semblance of order, so that the cattle did not break and scatter far and wide. 
The sun had by now well risen, and was beginning to shine hot. Round Jug still ran gamely, and displayed as much interest as ever, but he was evidently tiring. We were both glad to see Homer's gray showing in the fringe of mesquite. Together we soon succeeded in throwing the cows into the main herd, and, strangely enough, as soon as they had joined a compact band of their fellows, the wildness left them, and, convoyed by outsiders, they set themselves to plodding energetically toward the home ranch. As my horse was somewhat winded, I joined the drag at the rear. Here, by course of natural sifting, soon accumulated all the lazy, gentle, and sickly cows, and the small calves. The difficulty now was to prevent them from lagging and dropping out. To that end, we indulged in a great variety of the picturesque cow calls peculiar to the cowboy. One found an old tin can, which, by the aid of a few pebbles, he converted into a very effective rattle. The dust rose in clouds and aided in the sun. We slouched easily in our saddles. The cowboys compared notes as to the brands they had seen. Our ponies shuffled along, resting, but always ready for a dash and chase of an occasional bull-calf or yearling with independent ideas of its own. Thus we passed over the country, down the long, gentle slope to the sink of the valley, whence another long, gentle slope ran to the base of the other ranges. At greater or lesser distances we caught the dust, and made out dimly the masses of the other herds collected by our companions, and by the party under Jed Parker. They went forward toward the common center, with a slow, ruminative movement, and the dust they raised went with them. Little by little they grew plainer to us, and the home ranch, hitherto merely a brown shimmer in the distance, began to take on definition as the group of buildings, windmills, and corrals we knew. Miniature horsemen could be seen galloping forward to the open white plain where the herd would be held. Then the mesquite enveloped us, and we knew little more, save the anxiety, lest we overlook laggards in the brush, until we came out on the edge of that same white plain. Here were more cattle, thousands of them, and billows of dust, and a great bellowing, and slim mounted figures riding and shouting ahead of the herd. Soon they succeeded in turning the leaders back. These threw into confusion those that followed. In a few moments the cattle had stopped. A cordon of horsemen sat at equal distances, holding the men. "'Pretty good haul,' said the man next to me. "'A good five thousand head.'" This is the end of Chapter 5.